0: So I was sitting there with my hands and heels, wrapped around the resting rail. Over and over and over again, I entered the crux, only to bail back down and shake out my progressively pumping forearms. (laughs) I wanted this thing badly. But I really felt that I was face first against a complete and total beatdown. There looked to be dozens of holds, but I couldn't figure out which ones were necessary to create the sending sequence. When on sighting, the most efficient beta isn't often as valuable as the first beta that works. You just gotta get the hell out of there, so you don't pump out. After spending precious minutes of progressive fatigue, faffing about, leaving the rail, returning to shake... I chose my sequence and committed to the moves. Screaming, flailing, and failing, I fell. Have you ever seen some idiot out there free soloing at the crag or on some video and wondered just what in the hell is that guy thinking? Well, you're in the right place, my friend, because that guy is about to tell you exactly what he was thinking. So throw the rope in the closet where it belongs and grab a chalk bag for your sweaty, sweaty palms. The process is about to begin. And welcome to the show, everybody this time things get a little bit heavy i uh in the opening line of the show i promised to tell you exactly what i was thinking and um when i do these recordings they're not exactly scripted i'm uh, reading from the blog post that i wrote but if something comes in my mind i'm just i'm going to go with it and uh to that end, to tell you exactly what I was thinking, um, we go into some real raw issues here. Start talking about things like mental health, and um, it gets real heavy. So if you're uh, not into that, maybe you want to skip this one. But this is something that I feel very strongly about, and because there's a lot of us out there. And if you're one of those struggling too, you're not alone. None of us are perfect. <laughs> and I am not about to become one of those fake-ass Instagram promoters that acts like their goddamn day is always sunny. So this is it. This is me. This is real. It's going to get real raw. And they're not always going to be like this, for sure. But seeing as we're just kicking this thing off, this is... a. Uh, there is some very much-needed backstory that winds up coming out in this episode. So brace yourselves, get ready. We've got a good show for you today. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, so I fell. But uh, after a short distance, the rope came tight, and it wasn't that big of a deal, except for my injured pride. Fucking hell. Back in the southeast, I could sight up to 12C. Now here in the red, 12As were giving me a hell of a time. I just couldn't read the rock, and it was a Dr. Seuss wonderland filled with the strangest holds I could imagine. It was absolutely frustrating, because I knew I was fitter, stronger, and better at climbing movement than any period in my life. And yet, success felt far from my grasp. I... I actually spent a week in the red at the end of September, not too long before that whole Twinkie thing happened. I started off strong, but stupid. (laughs) I was pulling hard, but I didn't have any idea of how to pull at this place. Uh, As the week progressed, my fatigue built, but my repertoire of movement lessons grew. I began frustrated and fresh, and as the week progressed, I grew smarter and weaker with each progressive day. So the frustration level remained relatively constant. (laughs) I was projecting routes that were honestly right at my former on-site grade. I just, due to the time, needed to faff around and find the right holds. And then once I found them, I had to figure out how to grip them. I'm not used to all these infernal pockets. By the end of the week, I'd learned that the rules were simple. Thumb catch, he'll hook everything, and stem in the steeps. These walls weren't set by a 16-year-old boulderer, so there are plenty of options for feet. Beddival Pipeline was a particular frustration at (coughs) only 12A. I felt that I should be able to send it easily. You know, like second go, if not on-site. There it was, that S-word... Should it took me five tries to finally send the route. I did it with the most wrong ass beta humanly possible, and I only put together the right sequence as I was lowering off post send on my second to last day at that week-long trip i uh I felt so depressed that I walked around the corner to cry to be honest. I was too, I was still too hanging. A 12C called diminished gluteal syndrome. It, it was, I, I know, 12C is, it's, it's hard, but it was just, it was demoralizing. Previous to this point, I'd completed three 12Cs out in the south. Two of those were on site, and one of them I came back to solo. A week of failure was just—it was too much for my psyche to handle, and I felt myself slipping into a depression. Um, I—I'm not made for projecting. Here's where it gets real. I've got an unfortunate condition of the brain known as bipolar two. At first, the longest time we thought it was, ahem, just depression. And over a long while, I'd come to terms with that. I mean, these days, it seems main, uh, depression is almost mainstream. It's much better understood than it used to be. People are familiar with hearing mentions about it. It was easy for me to be out in that condition. And, uh, you know, I'd even told myself, like, the myth of that I'd beaten it and gotten over it. But, um, turns out things are a little bit more complicated than that. I'll be dealing with it for a good long while. But, uh... I'm getting pretty good at dealing with it. Depression? That that label I had uh, grown to live with. But bipolar? Hell, these days that's still a slang term for crazy. And I've got enough damn people calling me crazy as it is. Unlike the classic bipolar that everyone's familiar with, the uh, manic symptoms of bipolar 2 are quite mild. Uh, in contrast, the depressive symptoms can be really damned harsh. Like, take your classic bipolar and just shift it more negative. At times, it, it honestly felt like my brain was trying to kill me. Um, but that's only because it was. And now, mind you, this was, for the most part, years ago. Um, but, you know, my my friggin' brain would tell me to do things like jump off a cell tower dive into a freezing lake and (sighs) those urges were unfortunately difficult to fight and I found that the only way I could relieve the pressure and shut up that part of my brain was by cutting myself and that was that was when I went to go seek help Luckily, my employer, my face is turning red with embarrassment right now as I'm recording this because I'm just. Uh, I'm going to be putting this thing live on my friggin' vlog and on my podcast. <laughs> my, if you could see me now, my ears are just burning red. Um, I've never really been out and super public with this because it's uh yeah it's that label of crazy and I mean it's it's the crazy thing too it's you're worried that telling people about it you're gonna freak them out but really I'm on I'm pretty much on the far side of it I'm doing okay guys yeah but I think it's important to talk about this stuff because I'm not the only person who has to deal with this shit Someone else in your life is dealing with these things, too. Um. Hell. It really helps for people to know that they're not alone in this kind of shit. But, uh, you know, like I said, at at that point, (laughs) I really realized that I needed to get some damn help. And luckily, I've got a good employer who provides me with good health insurance and I've got a team that's helping me understand this stuff, and Yay, medication! Um, Those things have really, really helped me to get everything under control and start to feel like me again and start to get my mojo back. But um, climbing and especially soloing are where I come to feel at peace. It's the only place in life where I feel masterful, competent, powerful, or in control of my domain. It's the best form of self-care that I have. I think a lot of us out there are like that. I've, I've met dozens of people who've dealt with depression, anxiety, bipolar, substance abuse, other forms of abuse. I would say that climbing has saved them, and um, I would definitely include myself in that group. But the uh, the repeated failures at the start of this season Had stripped me of that competent and controlled feeling And it was uh, It really affected me negatively Some people out there would call soloing a death wish Um, excuse me, but fuck you I actually know what a death wish feels like And soloing saved me from that Yeah I forgot to mute my stuff. Hit that do not disturb. And we're back! (laughs) So, yeah, I actually know what a death wish feels like, and soloing saved me from that. Um, You could say that soloing is my ultimate life wish, and it's given me everything back that my brain tried so hard to take from me. that thought in the back of my head I hate myself it still drifts through my mind occasionally if I'm being entirely honest but it does so less and less frequently as time goes on and it's, it's kind of lost its bite learning to handle my emotions while soloing has helped me disengage from those destructive thought patterns in the rest of my life and I realize that hearing all of this might might be quite alarming to some of you, um, but trust me, the the last thing I want is for my epitaph to, to read, I told you so. It, it, these urges don't have anything to do with my climbing. They're not spurring me on to do something reckless. I mean, hell, there's this thing called free soloing, and um, I really kind of like it. And if I died, I wouldn't get to do that anymore. So falling, falling off just doesn't make a damn bit of sense if you think about it. <laughs> um. I mean, really, though. It, um. These thoughts are the farthest thing from my mind when I'm climbing. That's why I love climbing. It, uh. When I say soloing and climbing are the ultimate freedom for me, in part, I mean freedom from that struggle. All I have to worry about, think about, is this handhold, that foothold, the twist of my body, the tension, and the focus. Everything else just fades away. I can just become pure execution for a while. Like a computer operating a script. None of those horrible things exist for a moment. It's a powerful thing to be able to have that. A lot of people don't. And they just don't get any respite from it. So in a lot of ways, I'm actually... I'm quite lucky in this. So, en route to the crag on my last day, that week after getting beaten down and starting to feel depressed, I fell into a creek crossing, which uh, destroyed my phone. Turns out a waterproof phone is not so waterproof after you've cracked the screen and provided a path for water ingress. (laughs) As I stumbled down, I yelled, Fuck this entire place! It was a, uh, it was a fitting end to a sad week. It's not often that I can scrabble together a week off from work, and this particular one left me feeling more tired and more sad than when I had started. Honestly, probably the happiest I'd been all week was when I led a five-eight slowly and methodically, thoughtfully, while wearing my approach shoes, mellow, masterful relaxed. That's the climbing feeling that I love. To a certain degree, I like being able to climb hard, but I kind of hate actually trying to do it. Needless to say, success on Twinkie the following week was a much-needed restorative process. In the weeks to come after that, I pondered my next move, While the uh, Red River Gorge Fixed Gear Initiative Facebook page and some of the locals decided to stir up dust over my so-called non-accomplishment, well, while they were busy howling at the moon, I was on to the next thing. I do love on-site soloing. And I knew of two routes that might go in style. Sorry, Knight, 512A, and Swamp Gator, 512B. Of the two... Starry Night was probably more pure, as there's no option to duck out once you've committed to the crux other than reversing. It exists in isolation, with no easier exit to adjacent routes, uh, unlike Swamp Gator, which has this big fat chain draw that you can pull through the crux if, uh, you know, I was in over my head and needed to bail upward. Um, It's also got a rail traverse before the crux, so I could duck out to the side and down climb a neighboring 10A. The uh, down climb from the top of the route was also fairly obvious. In the morning, I woke up a bit slower than I would have liked and struck out towards Miller Fork to stare at the route and contemplate life. Um, but there was a large crew of learn-to-climb students there, and I, I didn't like the vibe. I kind of felt like it would wig people out too much. So I, I stared long and hard at the route, pondered options for the future, contemplated the down climbs and bail options, and... Uh, you know, I'd be a good thing to return to, and today was a good scouting mission. Honestly, it looked pretty optimistic, but you never quite know until you touch it. But at least I could eyeball my ways out, even if I couldn't eyeball the holds from the ground. You know how it is. Everything looks easier from the ground, and you can't see how solid it is from 40 feet below. So I returned to the dro- parking lot and drove out to PMRP this time took my raggedy 14-year-old Honda CRV right down to the bottom of Soarheel Hollow, despite the steep, muddy, rain-slicked, potholed, high-angle descent, and walked over to Starry Night to contemplate life for the second time today. Warm-ups are necessary. So, I meandered over to a neighboring 510 that didn't have a viable down climb on anything easier, so I climbed about 8 moves up, back to the ground, 10 moves up, Down to the ground. Twelve. Moves up. Back to the floor. Up and down. Higher and down. Higher and down. Until I felt like my fingers were happy. It was a rainy day, and while Swapgator's top-out was sheltered by a large roof and easily visible from the ground, Starry Night wasn't so fortunate. The top-out went straight over the top of the crag and was rain-slicked. Um... Well, the, the the top of the root wasn't, but uh, the top of the root was not the top of the crag. So, getting out of there would have been uh, potentially somewhat more involved. There was an adjacent route, but I didn't know if the two could be linked together. They were separated by maybe 40 feet. There appeared to be a ledge at the top, but I couldn't see if it was possible to mantle on that ledge... Or if it was dry, or if that ledge led to a walk-off, or if it would just leave me marooned somewhere new and exciting, with no way back down. In a lot of ways, topping out is only half the battle. So I walked over to that line, the first one out of the cave rated 10D. I soloed up, and back down. And higher, and back down. And more, and then back down again. Till eventually, I found a move up there that I really didn't like. I climbed down, fetched a quick draw, hung it on the bolt, and pulled. Pulling on the draw, I still didn't like the idea of reversing those moves. the The next holds that I found were funky and far too brittle to trust. So I bailed all the way back down to the ground. Via down climbing, and rope soloed the route instead. I found some slab ledges that would allow me to traverse around the top and I could see a viable top out from my location as well as passages linking to the anchors of Starry Night, but it was all just too damn wet. I, lo- I rigged to clean, lowered down the route, fetched my gear, and looked up. Still, I felt a tug pulling me towards the roof of Starry Night. <laughs> okay, fuck that. If uh, if it failed the pre-flight inspection that terribly and I've still got some kind of uh, instinct pulling me towards it, um, the, this thing is tainted by temptation and I really need to get the hell out of here right now. So that's what I did. After uh, much fuckery and a helpful push from some other climbers, I was able to drive my CRV out of the hole that I parked it in, and uh, my thoughts took me back to the Bob Marley cave with Beddival Pipeline mentioned at the beginning of the episode. While my initial failures on the route weren't encouraging, I did send it while making a complete shitshow out of the route and completely screwing up the sequence, all with a high fatigue level, doing owing to the fact that the send was actually my fifth lap on the route that day. If I found more efficient beta and approached it fresh. That line would go easy with plenty of margin. Arriving at the cave, I found a decent crew of friendly climbers already working the route, and they allowed me to slide into the queue quite graciously. Uh, I worked the moves over the course of about two laps, and finally I had it dialed. I got every single move to feel just as secure as I would like it to. The bouldery nature of the route didn't fit with my usual style, you know. I really like avoiding hard moves. Um, but even though these were hard moves for... Well, to my perception, they were hard moves for a 12A. But they weren't terribly hard moves for me. Uh, but still, you know, when, when things are out of your your accustomed range, you feel nervous, so I had some small anxieties, but I know that I have a process, and a pre-flight inspection, and a way of going about things, and I knew that it had passed the pre-flight inspection quite well, and so I pulled on the route, and fired. It actually felt significantly more relaxed than I had anticipated. Which is good because I was expecting it to be pretty relaxed to begin with. I had pre rigged a rope at the top of the wall to lower myself with, and while I believe it's possible to traverse the entire Bob Marley cave and down climb way out to the left, there was a there was a crowd of people, and it, it didn't seem feasible to do that politely. So that uh that's a project for another day. Uh, I do believe this road can't, route can be soloed traditionally, um, as opposed to the drag-a-rope-everywhere-you-go beta. Uh, so, uh... <laughs> I have a feeling I might be back to this one. But, uh, it's good to have a project for another day. All in all, though the uh, season started rough, and so did this particular weekend... At this point in the season, things seemed to be shaping up in my favor. I'd already soloed two new 512s, which brought me to a career total of nine, and there were still two routes that I'd roped up on that I had back in the mind as future potential. Those two would bring me up to eleven. And only one more would bring me up to twelve. Maybe. Just maybe, it seemed. I might be able to hit my arbitrary benchmark of soloing a dozen different 512s. Okay, and that's all we've got for the show today, and uh, I do promise they're not all going to be quite that heavy. Um, you know how it is you train hard and long, and you're feeling really good, and then you go outside, and it just expectation doesn't meet reality all the time. While this season has gone very well for me and generally been very positive, the uh, start of the season, man, it was like diving headfirst into cold water, and I kind of freaked out. And, you know, there's some factors going on in the background there which definitely contributed to that process, and, um frankly, it's something important to know about me as a human. Um I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. You know, I'm not... uh Just because I'm mentally strong in one aspect with the rock climbing and what have you doesn't mean that I've got it all tied together. None of us do. And that's something I find is, uh, it's rather important to explore. So in the meantime, click that subscribe button and tell your friends. Questions, comments, and hate mail, send them to austin at com. Uh, if you have any questions and what have you, I will eventually be rounding those up in a uh, sort of FAQ episode. Um, I do love getting those questions. They're, they're really fun. They make me think, make me contemplate life, etc., which is super valuable. Um, and real quick, we're going to play you an excerpt from next time on The Process. No! 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 And that's truly where we're going to leave it for today, folks. Um, So just remember to be safe out there. But if you find yourself to be constitutionally incapable of being safe due to some permanent or temporary form of the best kind of madness, be careful.